magic is power. Patrick, I am your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's going on, Jerry? Oh, hello. How you doing? Good. You? <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, we, all, we also have joining us on the cast this week, the inventor of an entire sub-archetype, uh, Mog Stompy, uh, Mr. <laughs> Zach Turgeon. What's going on, Zach? Ahoy, hoy. <laughs> Everything's going pretty good over here. You guys? Awesome. Great. Great. Yeah. Excited to talk some Sweet. Excited to talk, uh-huh. excited to talk some legacy. Let's <laughs> Going big red tonight. Big red. <laughs> That's all I know, man. <laughs> There's one color of magic, correct? <laughs> At least in this format. <laughs> yeah. Mono fair. red. Yeah, mono everyone red. Everyone else to play fair. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you know, as always, uh, leaving a legacy is brought to you every Friday on hipstersofthecoast.com. You can check it out for some awesome legacy content. Jerry, you are uh, brewing up a new article for them soon, or what? Yeah, I mean, my article is supposed to come out today, but uh, I didn't write it. Uh, I had I had the wedding. I had the wedding, which we'll we'll get into. I was a little busy. I couldn't write it. <laughs> Stop judging me. <laughs> Stop it. And uh, if you'd like to uh, support the show, uh, you can visit patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Uh, you can support us for even as little as a dollar an episode, and it helps us so much. Uh, we have awesome rewards. We have some new stickers coming out, uh, shout-outs in the cast, play mats that Jerry is, is still working on, and he is oh, honestly, uh, earnestly working on it. I have no, the news, the news, the biggest news of all time, bigly, bigly news. The order is in. We have ordered the play mats. They are being manufactured as we speak. That's a big deal. Ooh, shiny. Yeah, they, Ooh, are, shiny. they are sweet. So, so check it out. Link is in the show notes. Uh, so first, Zach, you know, I kind of want to get our listeners to kind of know a little bit about you. I've met you uh, a few times um, down at Gaming Etc., so I know you a little bit, and I know Jerry is uh, more familiar with you, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of where you're from, uh, what you got into Magic, uh, when you kind of got into Legacy, and, uh, you know, some stuff like that. Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself, Zach. Uh, sure. I'm from Drake at Mass. I've pretty much been here my whole life, barring, you know, some time going off to school. Uh, it's out by Lowell, not too fancy. But anywho, I've pretty much played card games forever, different card games, and it wasn't always magic, but I did writing for a while, and I covered the uh, Duel of the Planeswalkers, that first game, and the person in charge of that demo gave me a pile of money to Magic Online and sucked me back in. So uh, <laughs> it worked. <laughs> They, they pay their writers in tickets? That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> I like, wasn't p- paid in tickets. I was literally handed out like $20 vouchers because it was at a Comic-Con, except he gave me a stack of them. Ah. <laughs> nice. Yes, yes it was. I've long since burnt through that. I bet. <laughs> as, as it was intended. <laughs> yes, yes it, he did a good job that day. Good. Um, but then I started playing standard again, you know, standard draft, normal's fair. And I kind of just jumped into Legacy when I saw a deck I liked. And I guess you know what it is. <laughs> Speaking of, that's actually how I first met you, Zach. Was, what, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no problem, no problem. Oh, so what I was saying, so when I first met you, 
I think it was at a, a bunch of dual lands tournament uh, down in Rhode Island. Uh, and I sit down and I play against you and you just go like turn one chalice of the void, turn two blood moon. And you just proceed to crush me. Like, I think I was on like bug Delver or something on that day. <laughs> and I'm just like, huh, this is really funny. I almost, I lost to this almost exact same deck uh, just last night on Magic Online, and I've never seen this deck before, and yet I've lost to it twice in a 24-hour period. And then you're like, oh, that's probably me. Was it Optimus Prime? <laughs> yeah, uh, misspelled Optimus 344 as it was, but yes, that's exactly me. <laughs> and you're like, oh yeah, that's why you've seen this deck before, which well, at the time I think uh, it was still uh, you know, right around when you had first uh, started been playing it, or maybe you've been playing it for about six or six months or so. I think this was about three years ago when this happened. Um, yeah, that seems about right for when I was playing it online. Mm-hmm. So I I was kind of shocked by the deck. Uh, where where did you kind of come across the deck, and wh- what was your iteration on? Like, how did you how were you inspired to kind of riff off of it a bit? Uh, so it started with you know an old traditional dragon stompy list with its old crappy creatures of uh, Rakdos Pit Dragon and the Morph guy there that has never seen play in anything else. Um, Gathen Raiders, I think the name is. Um, but I just saw the list, I liked the idea of the list, and at the time it was a hell of a lot cheaper than it is now. So I was like, okay, this is a good way in, and it, it's what I like to do. It's a prison deck that is kind of a beatdown deck also, and you don't get to do that in other formats. So I figured this would be my chance to play that style of deck. Uh, and from there, you know, as they kept printing new cards and mostly new threats, because the lock pieces are already kind of exist, you just kind of shift it around what you want to do. Uh, I saw someone playing, like, two Mog Catchers and one Siege Gang Commander at some point, and I went, that seems interesting, and just kind of went whole hog in and went for the whole toolbox package, and then Rabble Master came out and kind of made the deck real. Nice. So the the deck kind of revolves around the same core, you know, like you said, the hate piece is already in place. They pretty much haven't changed since the deck's original. Uh, iteration, but it's basically you know four Chalice of the Void, two Trinisphere, four Blood Moon, and you're just powering them out with you know you have four Ancient Tomb and four City of Traders. So just you know, and then also eleven Mountains for your colored sources, but just kind of all in, just powering out hate pieces as soon as possible. Right, yeah. Between the eight Soul Lands and the four Simian Spirit Guides and the four Chrome Moxes. Oh yes, y- yeah. You're looking at I did the math once. You have like just below an 80% chance of doing something on turn one. Whether it's good enough or not is another question, but mm-hmm. that's pretty much the goal of the deck is to do really impactful things on turns one and two and then follow it up with anything to close out the game fast. People recently have kind of gone a little different way after that, but the, the idea is still the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you play a turn one Trinisphere, that's going to buy you some time to uh, set up for a pretty big threat. Right, and especially with something like a Rabble Master. If you play a Trinisphere into a Rabble Master, if you're on the play, they're probably dead. Right, exactly. So it's lock them out turns one and two, and then just beat face until they're dead. Pretty much. Uh, so 
I think what what you're probably most famous for, Zach, is the uh, the mod catcher package. Um, yeah. I like that uh, you have managed to find. Uh, I think it may be the most expensive common in Magic, uh, Goblin Settler. <laughs> yes, the old fifty dollars Stone Rain. Yeah, <laughs> it's a fifty dollars card for it's like starter starter deck. St- I think uh, starter ninety nine. Yeah, starter ninety nine. Three in a red for a one one. So. Great on the vanilla test. <laughs> when Goblin Settler comes into play, destroy target land. Hey, it, you're missing the flavor text on that, which is very important. <laughs> oh, the fla- well, the actual flavor text isn't, but the flavor text that is actually, or not actually there, is that card has gotten more people to concede than any other card I've ever played. <laughs> uh, people have fought through everything. Every I could have every hate piece in the deck in play. They still think they have a shot. You blow up one land, they're out. <laughs> it's just the straw that breaks the camel's back. <laughs> I mean, do you have any way of looping him, or is it is it just like it's just a one and done effect? Uh, you can get Kiki Jiki to double oh, up all your enter the battlefield effects. Yeah, yeah, which combined with like a Trenosphere or something like that, you're just gonna lock people out of the game. <laughs> Uh, so we're playing yeah, fair I mean, magic is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, both sides are playing fair magic. We're, we're both playing, like, big stuff, and we have, like, one-color decks. That's what we're supposed to be doing, right? <laughs> the best part is, is I guarantee you, like, this is how Wizards intended Kiki-Jiki to be played. Like, they probably were like, oh, Kiki-Jiki, Goblin Settler, that's probably the most busted thing anyone will come up with. <laughs> exactly. No- nothing about the deck will... I guess something about the deck is unfair now, but realistically, nothing about the deck is unfair. It just it forces everyone to play fair. I, I've long said that everyone else shows up to Legacy with you know a submachine gun, and I show up with a sign that says no guns and a pillow sack full of you know soap, and it, it doesn't matter. That is the most perfect analogy. <laughs> the the sock with a bar of soap in it is the perfect description. <laughs> How the deck wins. Yeah, all you need to do is say that they can't use their tool and other decks aren't built to deal with that stuff because Legacy forces you to be really, really low to the ground and really, really efficient. So if you can break up that efficiency, it doesn't matter that you're playing 1-1s for 4 that blow up a land or you know, uh, 2-2s for 4 that blow up an artifact. If your opponent can't do anything, it really doesn't matter what they're trying. True. So the whole point of the deck, you get the lock piece down. If you're not just going straight to the face, uh, Mod Catcher, uh, which for our listeners who don't know, it's two red red for a two two. It's a mercenary. It's a human mercenary. A human. Sorry, the great the great name update or creature yes. update. Uh, human mercenary. So relevant creature type. Uh, yes. Pay three and tap. Search your library for a goblin card and put that card directly into play. Yeah, that's the point where people pick it up and read it. Right. Because <laughs> that is not a thing they would do nowadays. And uh, that's a whole cycle of them. There's five of the cards like that. It just, for some oh, reason... Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. What are the other creature types they find? Uh, Mogcatcher finds goblins. Sea Hunter finds merfolk. Um, the, there's an elf one. I forget the name. That was the big one in Standard at the time. And then the two hidden ones in that set... There's a, a black one that has a slightly different cost that finds mercenaries, and then Lin Sivy for, for Rebels. Ah, of course, the famous Lin Sivy. 
Right, right. The those were the two that were big then and now Mogcatcher and it's outlasted them all. <laughs> I don't know, Lynn Simi's still going strong in my heart. <laughs> uh but yeah, so that's awesome. So finds goblins, puts them directly into play, and because of that, sometimes this uh deck I've I've seen it's been attributed as big goblins or rampy goblins or goblin stompy. Um, yep. it, it kind of has like a goblin sub theme. Yeah, you have a like a toolbox of goblins. Sometimes people misidentify it and think that it's like a goblin deck in like it's a uh, almost that grindy tempo goblin deck where it's gonna attack your mana and then. But it's not that deck. It just has some of similar cards. Realistically, again, it's lock you down, beat you up. But the mug catcher version in particular has this toolbox aspect where if you jam a mug catcher, it looks inconspicuous and then you kill your opponent in two turns or you blow up all their color producing land or you bounce an Emrakul or you kill the death right or delvers or you know you start using kiki jiki to just power out more rabble master tokens or you the big one that comes up more often than not is you get like a siege gang commander and then block with the guys and then get a kiki jiki and make a siege gang commander and block with the and you can just perma fog an opponent who has like a bunch of tarmogoyfs or something like that and they suddenly can't come back as you're searching every turn and so it's like you're never missing on your draw steps while they're you know drawing lands that are mountains or cards they can't cast because of a chalice and you just run them over right so you're just flashing things into play for effect so even though you're a mono red deck you're very much playing at instant speed uh, well, you're playing at instant speed exactly when you have Mogcatcher, and if you don't have Mogcatcher, you are not <laughs> playing at instant speed at all. There's at all. literally no instants in the deck. <laughs> There's like uh, two in the sideboard sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got we got Sting Scourger that uh, when it enters the battlefield, return a creature to its opponent's hand. Uh, Siege Gang Commander comes into play, puts three one one red goblin creature tokens in a battlefield, and it's one in a red, sacrifice a goblin, it deals two damage to target creature or player. Good old murderous red cap. Yeah, that uh, guy's great. <laughs> when it enters the battlefield, it deals damage equal to its power to target creature or player uh, with persist. Yep, uh, you, a lot of tricks you can do with that thing. Oh yeah, uh, what are a couple? Uh, well, my favorite is, so you can get him with a mog catcher and have him kill himself to eat your opponent's uh, bridge from belows. Ooh, nice. Yeah, you can do stupid stuff like that or it, it catches people off guard not realizing the weird things you can do. Mm, nice. Uh, of course, the one of Kiki Jiki, the one of Goblin Settler, uh, four Goblin Rabble Master, uh, and then I believe this is a new addition to the deck. What was in the, the slot before? Uh, so the slot before for me had been waffling, at least in this version of the deck, it had been waffling between like another Trinisphere and some Hanwar Garrisons. I tried uh, PNLR for a while. You can have some more um, Chandras. You can have uh, PNK and Alar. It's just kind of you have a couple flex spots. Right. So this is basically your flex slot. I think I saw some other people running the new Red God. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to try him eventually, but I, I figured I wanted to try this one first. Gotcha. And we've been teasing it. What is the new addition that you're trying out in the deck? Uh, I am now trying out Four Combat Celebrant, the mythic from Amonkhet. It is and, a... Oh, go ahead. Okay. It's a 4-1 for 
two in a red. Not the best. It's a, I think it's called Gore Swine, I think, is that one. It's a vanilla. But it has the ability to exert. So when you attack, you can exert it. If you do, you untap all your other creatures. And, or sorry, if it's the first time you do this each turn, which is important so it doesn't go infinite, you untap all your other creatures and you get an extra combat step. So there's a couple tricks you can do with it, uh, specifically in this deck. Uh, the big one is Kiki Jiki. Uh, Kiki Jiki plus a combat celebrant is infinite combat steps with uh, every time you add a 4-1 to the board. So even if they have a like a pile of blockers, as long as none of them are a protection from red or a true name nemesis, you just run a 4-1 in over and over again. Eventually their guys will die, and then they will. So it gives the deck a infinite combo. Uh, additionally, he plays super well with Goblin Rabble Master, as Rabble Master likes combat steps, getting both the bonus and the 1-1. One -one. And it lets you combine him with Rabble Master and, you know, just generic guys to actually run down combo decks before they can go off. So, giving him a shot. How Have you uh, any had any, like, any rounds in with him? Has he worked any well at all? Yeah, it's actually worked really well so far. I'm going to try it this weekend. I've been trying it since he came out. Uh, the day that he came out, I had my four already in there. Um yeah, it's been a surprisingly, well, I shouldn't say surprisingly good. I thought it would be good, but it's a very good addition to at least this style of the deck. Mm -hmm. The uh, like the Dragon Stompy, Mog Stompy stuff has branched off in a couple di different directions, and we can talk about that if you want, but at least I'm trying to keep the Mog Catcher version and keep um, inventing on that myself, and I think this is a good way to justify having the... Um, entire toolbox package will gaining stuff you gain an infinite combo with a piece of the toolbox package and you have your rebel master celebrant which if you play any combination of them on turn one or two kills on turn three so if you're on the play you can keep a hand that can play a turn one rebel master turn two celebrant your opponent dies on turn three if they're like a storm deck mm -hmm. and they they need to go off on their turn two and that's just sometimes way too much for them to do nice I believe you were telling me a story this weekend about uh, playing in Storm with a uh, combat celebrant. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, the the story I told this weekend is that I finally hit the like one million percenter after playing this for four years, where <laughs> I played two turn one Goblin Rabble Masters, which kills you on turn two. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that that's finally came up. So uh, they were not happy. Well, they were kind of happy because it was ridiculous, but. <laughs> <laughs> they, they took two and then they sat there and they kind of looked and I was like yeah it does 18 the next turn <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> yeah that's the uh, classic for the Goblin Rabble Master is 168 dead is the math right so if you have two it goes 18 dead and if you have two on turn one apparently it goes 218 <laughs> <laughs> Kind of gets out of hand. Man. Oh, wow. How much would you have killed to have Combat Celebrant be a goblin? Um, a lot of people. <laughs> Which, if it was a goblin you could tutor it, how many would you run? Because, I mean, it seems just good out on its own. Uh, it definitely has its weaknesses. It's, you know, it's a 4-1. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of weak against Deathrite Shaman because they trade your 1-drop for your 3-drop. But, again, a lot of times you're still spending one turn to cast your 3-drop. 
the economics of mana isn't exactly the same because you're a sloppy deck and you get so much extra mana. So it's kind of okay, but it does kind of hurt that it's pretty fragile. Uh, I probably would lower it down one if it were a goblin, but if it were a goblin, I think this might become problematic. (laughs) (laughs) The deck gets too good. (laughs) If you actually look, it's been putting up results with a different build, but... It has, I've seen, yeah. It it has a lot of aspects of being like a one-card combo deck, where, you know, if you turn one Blood Moon someone, you win. Depending on the deck, obviously. You turn one Chalice someone, you turn one Trinisphere someone, you win. I'll give you a hint. Most of the time, it takes a little bit more effort. If you turn one Mogcatcher someone, you're going to win. It has a lot of cards where you're just going to win on the spot if you resolve it. And that makes it very problematic for a lot of decks. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of that, kind of let, let's go into your sideboard a bit and what it's built for. And, you know, what are your problem matchups? Um... So Legacy is the format of like 10,000 decks. Right. You know, <laughs> someone's going to show up with the gate. Someone's going to show up with Celephant Breakfast. Someone's going it, it, <laughs> Speaking of, did you see Joe Lissette's stream? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. I'm he, going to, he is streaming he with, he's streaming with Cephalid Breakfast. <laughs> oh, God, that's hilarious. <laughs> we'll talk about that a little later. Yeah, it's, uh, the list looks sweet. <laughs> but, but the point is, people are going to play what they want to play. And you obviously can't be prepared for everything. But out of, like, the big, I don't know, 10, 20 decks or so, I think I'm favored against everyone except for four, I think. But those four are really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, the Death and Taxes matchup is an absolute nightmare. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah, so the... I mean, Mother of base- Ruins seems pretty good. Right, yeah, Pro Red is pretty good. It's not Mother of Ruins, it's Sword of Fire and Ice that's the real problem. Ah, oh yeah. So you have a, a deck that has a mana base that you can't compromise. They have a, a full fleshed-out curve, so Trinisphere and Chalice don't do as much as you want them to. Um, your creatures are mediocre compared to their creatures, because white just gets better creatures than red. So you're pretty much just playing under them in all aspects. And you have a, I literally side in like 13 or 14 cards, depending on my sideboard at the time against them, because you need to take a completely different <laughs> I know. way to the deck. You're, you're running four Sulfur Elemental. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not messing around. No, All no, four Sulfur Elementals. <laughs> yeah, he, he does work, and he does work in a couple other matchups too, but it's mostly there for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you also have Pyrokinesis, uh, which is good against Death and Taxes. That's it's kind of the Force of Willis effect. You can exile a red card from your hand rather than pay its mana cost, and then you can deal four damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures. Right, right. You get to normally get at least a two for two, if not like a three for two out of that. And but the important thing is you get to do it at instant speed with mana, with no mana. So you can quickly turn a corner in a game by killing two guys. They spent their turn. You know, you play a rabble master and you you kill them before they can restabilize. Right. Or you can stuff. Do it in response to a mother of ruins giving protection from red, or them equipping a sword of fire and ice. Exactly. Like the, yep. the real blowouts. Yep. It's the type of little things you need to be able to do to even have a shot in that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other bad ones are uh, sneak and show. 
I know. I ho- hopefully it would be, except when it's not. <laughs> yes. I play, at the GP, I played against uh, a version of this deck, and I just proceeded to brick for 15 turns, allowing <laughs> the, the stompy list to just pummel my face. Uh, yeah. So, um, it, it loses to that. This version is a little bit better than that, uh, because... The Mog Catcher gives you another thing to put in off Show and Tell, because it can get a Sting Scorger if you untap. So if they put in an Emrakul and you put in a Mog Catcher, you actually win that fight. Uh, so that's a nice aspect, but you still have a real hard time against Sneak Attack. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's also because uh, Sneak and Show can also just go over a lot of your hate pieces. You know, Chalice of the Void is annoying because it shuts off your cantrips, but none of your action spells are actually affected by Chalice. Same with Trinisphere. You know, you're still casting three and four drops regardless. Right, right. Your hate pieces aren't as good. You just need to turn into a mediocre beatdown deck, which is one of the reasons that I've moved to, like, this Celebrant Rabblemaster build. So if I know I'm playing Sneak and Show or Afterboard... I can keep hands that are just, you know, turn one Rabble Master, turn two Celebrant. Okay, did you kill me? Because you don't have a lot of interaction either. It's just kind of two ships passing in the night, except theirs is a much bigger, better armed ship. <laughs> two ships passing in the night, firing cannonballs at each other. <laughs> right, right. Um, and then the other really hard matchup is Burn. But really? I would, Yeah. Uh, so... Burn relies entirely on if you can Chalice on the right number or Trinisphere and lock them out of the game because you cannot beat a string of lightning bolts. You can't keep guys on the board, uh, and your mana base, because of the Ancient Tombs, actually hurts you a lot more than you'd like. Um, So you end up playing these games where they play like uh, Goblin Guide and Clip You for Two, and then you don't have you you kept a blood moon hand or something like that so you're like this doesn't do anything you maybe muster it up like all your mana and play a rabble master and you hit them back for one and they bolt your rabble master and then play a or play a guide and then bolt your rabble master or something you just fall so far behind because all their bolts are pretty much just terminates against you because none of your guys are huge and you can't hope that your hate pieces are going to be enough so does that does that kind of carry over to Blue Red Delver as well, or is Blue Red Delver a bit better? Uh, Blue Red Delver is much much better uh, because they have wastelands and a ton of fetches to fuel like uh, delve things and um, stuff like that. They are actually vulnerable to uh, turn one Blood Moon. It's not the best against them, but it does do stuff. Um, and their creatures aren't as aggressively tilted. They don't have, or they don't always have goblin guides, and they have things like delvers, which if they miss a flip, suddenly they're behind instead of ahead. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not the best matchup in the world, but I've had a lot of good success with it. Okay, and there's not to mention like uh, Chalice for one against against Blue Red Delver makes their life a lot more difficult. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Really good against them. Yep. Also, again, stuff like Trinisphere, making days and Force of Will cost mana, mean they're pretty much dead cards in that deck. Because they can't afford to take their turns off countering stuff if they're not applying pressure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of ways that that those decks have to deal with, uh, like, even artifacts in the sideboard. So once those hit, it's kind of like either, it's either a must answer, you know, when it's cast, or you're just kind of dead to that card. Yeah. Um, And... I'm trying to think. Did I say four decks? 
it's mostly those three. You can have some issues with like food chain. Food chain can be problematic. That's a weird one. Um, going through the list now, like the reanimator, that's kind of coin flippy. Uh, it feels pretty 50-50 to me. Um, beyond that, everything else I'm looking at here looks pretty good. And then you have your comically easy matchups, you know, your lands and your hex steps and your Eldrazi and stuff like that where they can't beat anything you do. Yeah, lands must love four main deck Blood Moon. Uh, eight main deck Blood Moon, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. You forgot about the Magus. <laughs> I forgot about Magus. I think we skipped over him in the list. Yeah, also, no, he's four there. Magus of the Moon. Yeah, can't cannot leave him out of it, you know. There's a lot of times where you play a Magus of Moon and then you just hit them for ten turns. True. That, that happened to me. <laughs> it was miserable. Yep. Because, you uh, know, you, you have to keep those hands with this, these type of decks. You can't try to be like a, a blue deck and be like, I'll have everything all the time. No, if you have a lock piece, you can play it on turn one, you keep. You know, if the rest of your cards are lands, so be it. Mm-hmm. Now, we also skipped over another piece. You're also running the Red Jace, Chandra Torch of Defiance. <laughs> I'm going to get some heresy on this one, but I legitimately think that card may be better than Jace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy! Them's are fighting words, my friend. <laughs> the problem is it, it has much less homes. Mm-hmm. Not too many things want a two-red-red Planeswalker with an aggressive tilt. But in terms of, like, raw abilities... It can do literally everything at least this deck wants. Mm-hmm. I mean, when that card got spoiled, we knew it was going to find a home somewhere in Legacy, for sure. Right. Uh, I think uh-huh. that that card is why this deck came back. I mean, it's it's $20, and it's still in Standard. Like, and it's, I, and it's, I don't even think it's played in Standard, right? Like, is it even in Standard decks? Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit in, like, the Team or Marvel decks and okay. stuff like that. Okay. It, but it, it doesn't see, like, massive widespread play, but it's a two-of in a lot of lists. Mm-hmm. Man. I might have to... God, every, I gotta stop doing this cast, Pat, because every time we do this cast, I end up buying more magic cards that I never end up actually using. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing. It, this card has... It's in super, super powerful, but it's so narrow as far as Legacy is concerned mm-hmm. because the like the brainstorming on Jace is so powerful with specifically fetch lands mm-hmm. that in most decks that want a format of Planeswalker, you're just going to want Jace for that exact interaction. Beyond that... The ability for this to clear something off a board or just add a pile of mana, you know, that's good in this deck. It's not good in every deck because, you know, if you played your four drop and then you ramp to six or seven, what do you spend it on in any other deck? But in this one, you know, look at the suite of creatures. If you play a Celebrant and, I don't know, a Magus in the same turn, it becomes really difficult to answer. And then I've killed way more people with that ultimate than I deserve to. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so so reading it for our for, uh, listeners, a two red red for a four loyalty Chandra. Uh, plus one, exile the top card of your library. You may cast that card. If you don't, Chandra deals two damage to each opponent. So if need be, you can win through a Leyline of Sanctity, because that does not target. <laughs> uh, you can win through Leyline of Sanctity a lot of ways. <laughs> that was a but- joke. <laughs> the the actual important thing is you can win behind your own snaring bridges. Oh, good, yeah. That, that's the real interaction. Mm-hmm. So we also have plus one, add two red to your mana pool, just a little rampy ramp. Yep, uh, it's very good. It makes it so a uh, common opening line. Not in this version in particular, in the ones that play four, 
like the non mod catcher ones is you play a turn one Chandra plus play a uh, chalice and you pretty much win on the spot because that meant they didn't have a force to stop you and now you're just going to have four to five mana every turn you have a chalice in play already it, it just becomes real difficult they need to kill it they, you get to play protect the queen they need to kill it before you minus seven gotcha and then minus three how often would you say you use this one minus three chandra deals four damage to target creature uh, I mean, you don't use it as much as the other plus one, because you use the other plus one over and over and over again, but that's probably the most common. It comes in, kills a death right, and then they don't have anything on the board, and it just starts being a howling mind that, you know, clips them for two when you miss. Gotcha. Okay, nice. And the big baddie, minus seven, you get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell... This emblem deals... Is that five damage to target creature or player? That is five damage to target Jeez. creature or player. And most importantly, that emblem is not red. That yeah. has come up very often. <laughs> yeah, there's no way to destroy emblems in Magic yet, I believe. Uh, there's no way to destroy emblems, and that is... I've used it to kill plenty of things with pro-red that was going to kill me the next turn. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Oh, because the emblem itself... Oh, wow, that just clicked. Damn. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird, weird interaction because everything about it's red. You're casting a red spell. Getting You're a mono red, red deck. <laughs> yeah, but it is, in fact, not red. Wow. It's good to keep in mind. That is good to keep in mind. Damn. Uh, yeah, but that card has been fantastic, and that's the only thing I don't like about this current version The with the Mog Catchers is... You can't run the full four of Chandra, mm-hmm. and you just you just don't have the room. You, it's too clogged up high. You can't have ten four drops and then like a pile of five drops, and it it just doesn't work in the like more either beat down or like full on main deck and snaring bridge versions. It's the four drop of choice, and it's a hundred percent right to be that. Mm-hmm. So if you're going kind of the big version, like some of the the dragon stompy. Um, maybe even kind of like, has it been popping up in, uh, the mono red sneak attack list? Uh, yeah, they normally have a couple in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's another decent threat. Plus it adding mana there is a pretty big deal. Right. Definitely. Cause that's definitely a deck that wants to get up to, you know, the six, six mana spot so it can start high, you know, hard casting things like worm coil engine. Right. Yeah. If you start jamming in Inferno Titans, it makes it a lot easier to win games. Right. Awesome. Yep. Uh, you can talk about the other versions of the deck if you want, or anything else about yeah. it. I, like I said, I've played it for a while. I can any questions. I'm swing yeah. away. Actually, uh, I think perfect timing. Uh, Justin uh, Sacco. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, Justin, but he actually sent me a Facebook message. Um, you know, he's gonna, he, as he called it, he's looking to get into mono red death and taxes. Uh, and he's new to the legacy format, and he just kind of gave some cards that he threw together and was just looking for some input on. So I figured, what better case than you know to have you on Zach, uh, mono red expert, and uh, give us some advice about kind of this list he's put together. Okay. So, so no hard numbers yet. Uh, the, keep in mind, this is just kind of a, a Morbius blob of cards uh, that can be formed into a deck. Uh, for creatures, he was looking at uh, Cider Fire Dancer, which I'm not even sure I know what that one is. 
that's a 1-1 one, one for 1 and a red, that when you deal damage to creatures with um, instants or sorceries, I believe, it deals it to the player as well. It turns everything into a searing blaze, effectively. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, then the new guy, Harsh Mentor. Uh, that is whenever a player activates uh, an activated ability, it deals, I forget, is it two damage to two that damage. player? Yep. So fetch lands are lightning bolts to the face. Uh, Deathrite Shaman gets gets a little bit worse. Or actually, I think it's non-creature activated abilities. Uh, no, it is... Oh, it is creatures it, too? Yep, I forgot. Yep. I forgot that card's still bonkers. <laughs> yep. it, it cares that it's a permanent, is what it is. Ah, that's what it is, yeah. Man, missed... Miss Sensei's dividing top by this much. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was going to be at least hopefully an answer to it, but, you know, who needs an answer to it when it's gone? <laughs> yeah, no, there's no answer like the band hammer. <laughs> uh, up next, we got Eidolon of the Great Ravel. Uh, that's kind of a staple of burn. Whenever a player plays a spell under converted mana cost three, it deals two damage to them, and it's a 2-2 creature. Uh, Phyrexian Revoker, Pithing Needle on Legs. Simeon Spirit Guide for the mana, and then going big, Thunderbreak Regent. Uh, how do you feel about Thunderbreak? Uh, I am not a fan of Thunderbreak. He used to be around in like Dragon Stompy lists, and people were like, "Oh, it's the you know, it's finally the the dragon that people were looking for." And he just does not do enough because he comes down. He's just a four four. He's pretty expensive, and he punishes people for targeting him. But the problem is they normally only need to target him once, so he just becomes a four-mana bolt, and then you normally die because you know you spent four mana on something, and not only did it not do anything, you're you, the cards you surrounded him with normally aren't good enough. Right. If you play Thunderbreak Regent, your opponent just swords to plowshares it. You basically spent two. Is it two red red? The casting cost. It is two red red. Yeah, two red red to basically lightning bolt your opponent and have them discard a card. Yeah, it's like I think there could be a home for it in the future. It has a nice effect. It's a, it is a really big body, but you can do better for four manas. Like things like the Chandra. Like if you look at which one of those would you rather have him play for four mana, it's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, spells. He's kind of taking a bit of a burn approach, but also some hate pieces. Uh, lightning bolt, lava spike, and fire blast. So a little bit of a burn package there, and then also blood moon. Okay, I can get behind some Blood Moons, but they tend to only be better when they're really, really fast, so I'm not 100% sure on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, burn is burn, but it, you know, it, I think it, to run that much burn, you kind of need a, more, a specific deck. And you can go creature-heavy, but if you're trying to lock your opponent out of the game in the long game with you know a lot of these hate pieces, uh, you know, burning them out and emptying your hand may not be the best way to go for a sustainable path to victory. Right, yeah, cards like Lightning Bolt and uh, like Searing Blaze or whatnot, those have you know dual effects in that they can also be crowd control. They can kill stuff on the ground, but if you're just looking at like Lava Spike, it, it only does one thing. It does it fairly well, but it, it it's incredibly narrow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and then for sideboard, uh, he has Boros Reckoner, which is not a card we have seen very much of lately. But I, I miss that, that guy. Yeah, I I played. I love play. I, I that was the card I just always fucking opened in draft, and I'm like, guess I'm drafting red white every single game. <laughs> uh, well, it was but, in gate crash, so it was probably pretty fine for you. 
Oh yeah, red white was by far the best color combination in that in that set. <laughs> second second best, but we'll, we'll, we can argue over that later. <laughs> go fast, man! Gotta go fast. <laughs> yeah, but you have to do it with exert. <laughs> or not exert, um, extort, extort. Yep, yeah, extort. There you go. Uh, then we got vexing shusher. Uh, always a good kind of like uh, counter magic hate piece. Yeah, captain can't be countered. He does he does yep. his job. He's not the most mana efficient, was always the problem I had with him. Yeah, no, you need to be... The cards he needs to be protecting need to be worth it. Right, because you're effectively... You're you're automatically just dazing your spells. Because you have to play all your spells with one mana up, you're effectively playing under a daze for the rest of the game. Right, right. Uh, then Mindsparker. I do not recognize that. Uh, that is a 3-2, I believe, first strike for one red-red... Uh, and whenever someone casts a in a white or blue instant, I be- on your turn, I believe they take two. Am I right? It's part of that cycle from um, one of the core sets. Sorry, Pat is messaging me about my neighbor playing bass. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought yes, maybe Pat. either you were multitasking, Jerry. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting my riffs in, man. <laughs> I mean, it's not very good, so get better. <laughs> I was wondering what that was. I thought it might have been a fan. Sorry, but... I was just going on because I thought only I could hear it. But the fact that I can feel it probably should have been a song. <laughs> uh, don't worry, I'll leave a passive-aggressive note on their door tomorrow. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. It's like, dude, you suck. Tell me it sucks. <laughs> hey, all the fans of my podcast think you suck. <laughs> I'm not going to leave that note. That would be mean. <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave a note. <laughs> uh, sorry, Zach. Where were we? <laughs> uh, I think we were on the weird Mindsparker card. Ah, yes, Mindsparker. Let's see yeah. what this card does. I think you said it, but I wasn't paying attention. I'm sorry for that. Uh, it's, it's no problem. I, I don't think it's a very good card. It, okay. Uh, up next, they have uh, Red Elemental Blast. Always good to have. Counter Magic. Uh, is this because you're running Chalice of the Void, the reason why you're not running any in your sideboard? Right, that's exactly it. it there's no one-drops in the entire deck. Gotcha. You just can't afford it. There's there's never a match where you're boarding out your Chalices. Uh, there's matches where I'm boarding out my Chalices, but there's never a match where I'm boarding in Red Blast that I'm not boarding out my Chalices. Gotcha. Like, you want the chalices against the blue decks. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got Relic of Progenitus. Uh, I, you know, Graveyard Hate. Uh, we haven't really seen very much of Relic Progenitus for the last couple years. Yeah, it's kind of overshadowed by either stuff that does it for free or stuff that does it bigger. Like uh, Ley Lines and Fairy Macabre and Surgical and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you can you can do it for free with Fairy Macabre and still get around the Chalice of the Void, which is probably pretty important. Right. Um, when mm-hmm. I run Graveyard Hate, I normally run Fairy for that exact reason. Gotcha. Uh, so you're not running any Graveyard Hate right now, so you're not that worried about the Graveyard decks? Um, well, the only Graveyard deck that's a problem is, like, the Black Red Reanimator one, because they can go so fast. Other than that, your normal hate pieces are normally good enough, but since I don't want to have cards uh, cards dedicated specifically to, you know, a 1% matchup, I'd rather just have the generic Trinisphere, which a lot of times is a very similar effect against them, where if you can have it in your opening hand, it's hopefully good enough. Definitely. Uh, and then Chandra's Phoenix. Uh, that's 
one red red for the two two that comes back when you burn them. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I feel there's like the fact that burn itself doesn't run it. I don't think this deck wants it just because I don't think you're gonna be you're gonna be burning them all that much. I think it's I think too for what it's worth, it's very hard to map a sideboard when you don't mm-hmm. know what your what exactly your main deck looks like right now. Yeah, that is a very good point. You know what I mean? Like it's I I appreciate what he's trying to do here. Um, he's trying to map out a seventy five, but really. What I would recommend is figure out your 60. Figure out what your main deck is doing, and then you're gonna want to look at, um, you know, what your matchups are, what your, you know, the the biggest decks in the metagame, you know, be that, you know, be it like on a Magic Online, your local metagame, or if you're looking kind of at like a wider view, if you're going to like GPS or SGs, um, figure out, you know, where you want to get your edges there in your sideboard, or, or you have a pretty big deficit against some um, some of the more popular decks in your in your main deck. And then map out your sideboard. Then I think I think it's a bit preemptive to to I'm like I don't I can't imagine any any deck that would want a Boros Reckoner for instance in the sideboard for any for really anything. Um, it's a great card, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's a, it's it's not something that's going to make you better in any any particular matchup. Yeah. So the problem I have with like the pile of cards here is I think it was Patrick Chapin who had written in an article effectively calling it like the prime directive and it's a great magic lesson and great lesson in you know all games is you can do anything you want but don't be the worst version of something else and right now if you look at these cards like they're very aggressive and burn oriented but they're not it's not as good as burn at doing that and it's aggressive and like he has these like hate hate bears, but it's not as good as Stompy at stopping your opponent from you know doing things. It, it just seems like it's stra- trying to straddle this middle ground of replicating a Death and Taxes style deck. But the reason that Death and Taxes works is because it's the best deck that can take advantage of cards like Wasteland and Rishnon Port. So it it it's weird, but Death and Taxes is the best at something. It's mm-hmm. the best. It's actually it's going to sound weird. It's the best fish deck. It's the best deck that gets threats on the board and then either it protects them. It does that by, you know, destroying your mana and pinching what you can do against its guys with like protection. But you know, it gets threats out and it protects it. This doesn't do that. This gets guys out and then they die. And it the burn isn't enough to fully burn someone and the lock pieces aren't enough to fully lock someone. So you're just like the 70 percenter of three different decks, which normally means you're going to be very middle ground in your draws, where if you don't draw one half of the deck, if you draw 50-50 split, you don't know what you're doing. You know, if you have Harsh, Harsh Mentor, Seder Fire Dancer, Phyrexian Revoker, a Lightning Bolt, and some lands, that hand doesn't do anything against anyone. Where mm-hmm. if it's a burn deck and you just have, you know, three lands and three bolts, you know what you're doing. Yeah, he, he he. I pulled up the article, and his prime directive is never play a bad something else, right? So that's what kind of what we're talking about now. Right. That you know, and again, <clears throat> there there are two ways of taking this too. Perhaps like Justin really just wants to brew his own deck, and if that's the case, then I say go for it. Like brew up exactly what you want it to be. Um, but just oh, yeah. know that you know, like if if you're asking us about you know what how we think the deck looks, I think the three of us would be looking at it more from a competitive angle. How how it's going to do in a in a in a competitive metagame, and um, th- then that, I think the goal there is different, right? So if you're if you really want to be spiky about it and you're, you're looking to win games, I think that you really want to um, 
trim the fat of this deck, figure out where you want to be, and that, that doesn't mean that you can't innovate a new deck. You know, Zach's a perfect example of someone who saw an opening and was able to take it um, and to its full, you know, to its to kind of the, the best version of that deck, right? So it doesn't mean you can't break something new open, um, but you know, certainly, uh, certainly, kind of just decide where you want to be and then work from there, I guess. Right. So what I would say here is that there's no reason to be mono red. And you can say, you know, money-wise, maybe. But if I were to look at a list like this, I would say you're not running Soul Lands. Maybe you're running, like, you're running too many double-colored cards for Soul Lands, I should say. So you're not getting a mana advantage. And red decks, if you're not getting a mana advantage, you're going to need to be lightning fast because your cards are traditionally underpowered in exchange for speed. Um, where I would look for, like, inspiration on, like, a red-based or a red Death and Taxes list. Um, I think uh, Bahara, the Legacy streamer, he's been playing, like, a Death and Taxes list with Magus of the Moons and, like, a PNLR and some black cards, too, and just kind of going wacky with the mana base now that um, there aren't as many reasons not to, now that, you know, miracles went away and everything gets shaken up. And um, there's some stuff like that going on where you can look and you can see people taking these like hate bear lists and adding red into them. And perhaps you could try to go that route where instead you use these red hate bears, but you combine them with maybe some of the white ones and, you know, have some Thalias and some stone forges and stuff like that and be consistent in what you want to do. Because of right now, it just looks like you're, you know, a B minus burn deck and a B minus like tempo deck or not tempo, like a, a almost a, prison deck and that's not going to get anywhere yeah agreed i agree sorry my mic's been muted because johnny be good downstairs because uh, do, 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 <laughs> do 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 you know bass players can play other, something other than four four right this fucking asshole four on the floor four on the floor man it gets the job done <laughs> i don't think i have flea as my downstairs neighbor pat <laughs> you should try though I, I yeah, I would love to live above Flea. No, fun no, fact, you wouldn't. Fun, <laughs> it just smells like a garbage pit. True. Fun fact: Flea is the voice of Donnie in the Wild Thornberries. Fun fact of the day. If you insist, it's fun. Yeah, you're a child, Jerry. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, someone can't bring up a beloved childhood cartoon from the '90s. <laughs> um, I'm gonna drop the uh, the Patrick Chapin article in the uh, in the show notes as well because I think it's a it's a good one if he's uh if he's looking for advice it's this this is a really good place to start as well um, because a lot of it's about uh, building building decks so yeah it's an older article but mm-hmm. the idea of that it, it's something that I've always used in Magic and you know told everyone else mm-hmm. it, it's if you you can be whatever you want you can try to branch out and build whatever I I obviously have no problem with that. But it becomes real hard when you're just being a bad something else. Right. Because then you have no reason not to just be that something else. Be a good version of what you are, not a bad version of something else. And if you find yourself becoming that, just play the something else. I know it's not cool and it's not inventive, but at some point you're looking at all the things in front of you and you need to decide, hey, if I want to win games, I have all these people with all this wealth of knowledge and all this uh, expertise on the deck, and I'm trying to do something different for different sake, that's just doing yourself a disservice. Mm-hmm. I think another way to look at it is have a reason for playing your deck. 
You know, right. you you run your version of the deck because Modcatcher is such a powerful toolbox engine. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Well, so I was agreeing with you there. I was saying right. What I'm. It's worth saying that right now I've been trying lots of things because I don't have anything big coming up, and I'm not one of like the top five decks where hundreds of people work on it every day. There's just not that much. Um, man hours going into it. So if that means I'm going to be the one testing Combat Celebrant, then I'm going to be the one testing Combat Celebrant. And <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, and maybe it doesn't end up turning out as good as I hope in the long run, but other people are doing other things, and I'm not afraid just to look and do what they're doing. Like I, I think I'm going to Scholars this weekend to play in their thing, and I'm going to play the list that I posted here. Um, but like after that, if it doesn't turn out well, if you know I don't like the way it's feeling, I have no problem tossing it aside and looking at some some of the stuff the other people have been working on with like the main deck and snaring bridges and being more of a uh, control deck, a sorry a combo or a prison control deck rather than like a prison beatdown deck. Now, one thing Justin mentions a little later on, which has a special place in my heart. Uh, what about Sin Prodder? How do you feel about Sin Prodder in the deck? Both in um, Justin's and in, in your own version of the deck. So in the Mogcatcher version, there's no room. But in like the normal, like you have a big red just beat down version, or like even the main deck and snaring bridges version, they all run four. It actually is a good card when you can play it on turn one. It does its job very well. In his deck, um, I think his curve is too low. He's yeah, not- he's. It, it doesn't do anything. Your, your opponent's never going to give you lightning bolt, as I think, the best way to say it. Right. They're just going to take the one. You you need a high curve or a consistently like three and four curve to capitalize on him. He he only gets punishing if you flip over like a fiery confluence and then they have to choose between taking four or six. Then if you hit bolt never going to give you lightning bolt. If you hit lava spike, they're never going to give you lightning sp- lava spike. If you hit fire blast, they're always going to give you fire blast. It just it doesn't actually work out the way you want it to. Mm-hmm. I did the math in it in uh, Sneak and Show, and I think the sweet spot is your average converted mana cost, including lands, needs to be in the 3 to 4 range. Uh, I would say it's probably a little lower than that. But you're of course trying to hit giant spikes with 15s. Yeah, you know, I just want those those spikes in the graph. <laughs> right, uh, flip, but a, flip over ever cool. <laughs> yeah, a realistic deck can't pick up 60 converted mana cost stuff for permanence. But if you're like you know a, a stompy deck, you're looking at all of your big things costing three, which means that every turn if you get two rough damage worth out of that sin prod over the course of the game because of the menace, he's likely doing five a turn, which is well in the like range that you want to be in. Right. Because he is also just an aggressive creature, and when you back him up with other aggressive creatures, he gets that much better. Exactly. The, the menace means that they can't block him effectively, especially with other creatures. Right. So I guess what we can say to Justin is, you know, take a look at the deck and just really think about what you want to do. Instead of trying to kind of go and cover all of your bases all at once, just try and focus in on, you know, what part of the meta do you want to beat? What decks do you want to beat? And then kind of shape your game plan around that. Right. I would say to figure out what your deck does and then put the cards in that does the do what you want 
rather than put a bunch of good cards in front of you and go, what do these do? You're going to want to build from the ground up, not from the top down. Like, you want to build a base and say, okay, I want to have these cards to beat combo decks, and this is where I want to build around it. Then you can go around that, rather than, oh, I'd like this red card, this red card, this red card, this red card. How do I tie them together? That's a much harder plan, and you end up with a much more discombobulated deck than going, oh, like in my case, you go, oh, I like Blood Moons, so I'm going to play Blood Moons and Magus of the Moon. What goes good with that? Well, a bunch of mana, so I'm going to put a bunch of mana. What goes good with a bunch of mana? Okay, maybe I should put in some other lock pieces. How do I finish them? Okay, what's the most efficient ways I can kill people off of like the three to four mana that I can make? And then you have the deck in front of you because you started out small and you figured out what you wanted to do. If I were to look at it from the other way and be like, oh, I want to play, you know, this good red card and Lightning Bolts. Like, the Lightning Bolts is the best red card, but it's not in my deck because it doesn't fit with what the deck wants to do. So if you just put in a bunch of good red cards, you're going to end up with a generically good red deck, and Legacy is not a format where you can be a generically good deck. Even, like, the good stuff decks have a lot of synergy, and the cards that they're good stuffing in are absurd. You know, you're looking at Gurmad Anglers, which are a 5-5 five, five for one. Like, a True Name Nemesis, which is, you know, Moat slash Sulfuric Vortex. It the, the good stuff decks need to be so far and away better than the other decks in terms of card quality to get away with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great points. Um, so, kind of some directions we, uh, we might be able to point, Justin. I, I kind of like, I do like the idea of what he's going with, with kind of like the two drop hate bear idea. You know, Phyrexian Revoker, Eidolon of the Great Ravel, Harsh Mentor, even, you know, the Fire Dancer. Um, just kind of focusing on, like, the two drop hate, hate bear aspect. But I feel like if you're going to do that, you really need to back yourself up with some protection against the, uh, you know, really fast decks that can play out before you can establish your lock pieces. So, like, I, I really like things like uh, like Chalice of the Void to really back up your two drops, but that means you're probably going to need to cut the, uh, you know, lightning bolts and lava spikes. Well, it's actually worse than that. So if you're going to run Chalices, like the only way Chalice is ever successful in Legacy is when you can at least have the possibility of powering it out early. Oh, right, even, yeah. Which means that you're going to run Soul Lands, because that's how you do it in red. Now, you have if you look at the threats he wants to put in, you can't play Eidolon with Soul Lands. It doesn't work. Well, well, keep in mind, I mean, you have Simeon Spirit Guide. No. So, what that? Can't do it. Shut up, Pat. I, I thought you were going to... I thought you were going to contribute something useful. Yeah, I'm, tell- I'm, I'm, I'm oh, contributing something useful by stopping you from saying stupid things. You hush. Hush yourself. <laughs> well, hush. think about it, Jerry. Think corner. about it, Jerry. Jerry Let me finish my it. thought first. Let well, me hold, on, my thought. hold on, hold on. Are you if breaking you're playing, <laughs> If you're playing Soul Lands, you're not, you're not going to power out a... I'm not saying run Soul Lands. But, but, okay, all right. This is why right. let me finish my thought. <laughs> God damn, man! <laughs> uh, so instead of running Soul Lands, you can go more heavily focused uh, on the Chrome Mox aspect, where, yes, you're losing card advantage, and in those sorts of cases, I would really like something like Sinbrotter to try and recoup some of that card advantage. But you can use Simeon Spirit Guide and Chrome Mox as a way to power it out early. Uh, you know, maybe dip into Lotus Petals as well, but I don't really like that idea just because it's not as reusable. And Simeon Spirit Guide gets the job done because it can also be a last-ditch threat uh, later in the game. So 
I, I I get what you're saying, Zach. I do agree. You know, the best way to play a Chalice of the Void is with a Soul Land, but there are ways to do it without if you don't have access because those Soul Lands are not cheap. Right, but again, I'm not really talking from a budget perspective here. I think if you're talking from a budget perspective, then you just want to play Burn. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in the bad way. I mean, if you want to play a red budget deck, literally the budget deck is red. You know, if you want to play these hate bear cards, it's real hard to justify pitching a card, playing a land, playing a chrome mox, playing a 2-2 that makes them take two when they right. use an activated ability. Like, you're not getting enough. Like, they play a death rate shaman, and you're just like, oh, your card's better than mine, and I went through hoops. Mm-hmm. Right, and like in a red deck, you it, it's so much harder when you're dedicating that much to a single card. So so much of your of your hand to a single card, it's got to be something that has a major impact, and a two two is not going to do it. A chalice for one is is has an impact with that. A blood moon certainly has an impact with that, but harsh mentor is not not going to be there for it, man. Right, that's that's how I feel at least. I, again, I don't want to be stifling in this, but I think that if you want to play like this death and taxes style deck with red. They do exist, but they tend to be red-white. Um, there's also a couple other, you know, types of decks like that, but they, they're never mono-red. The mono-red, it doesn't have the power without going all-in on being like, again, not to harp on what I'm doing, but like a stoppy deck where you're like, I did something so good on turn one, my opponent can't win. Mm-hmm. Because if you're just trying to match them card for card, red cannot do that. It does not have the card quality that other colors have. It has speed as its advantage, and when you're trying to be fast in a format where everyone's playing nothing but one-drops, you need to be lightning fast, and these cards aren't lightning fast. I like that. So I think I think if Justin takes the um, takes the advice and maybe reworks his deck a little bit, can he send you another list, Jerry, and we can c- kind of take a look at it again? Yeah, definitely. Send awesome. it on. Nice. All right, great. Um, so... We kind of skipped over our Weekend Legacy. Did we want to talk about that at all? Or do we want to talk a little bit more about Mog Stompy? Uh, well, they're the same thing for me, so it gets <laughs> on you guys. I didn't play any Legacy, but I did have an adventure this weekend. I was <laughs> with him on that. <laughs> so this weekend was the wonderful Kate and Aaron's wedding. They started a Legacy, as, uh, as Johnny Carrot said. <laughs> uh, and... I was going on my way to the wedding, and as I'm getting in my car, I'm like, all right, I'm going to see all these magic people. It's going to be awesome. Magic weddings are the best because people just talk about magic the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I get in my car, and I'm driving there, and I realize, oh, fuck, I left the envelope with, like, the card and my wedding gift on my dresser. (laughs) So I'm like, all right, I'll just stop at CVS, and I'll, I'll get a card. So I go to the CVS, I run around, I find a card, get a new card, you know, buy, get back on the road, and I get, uh, I'm driving down, and I realize that uh, it's in Duxbury, which is down south of Boston, uh, towards the Cape. So driving there in one of the first weekends of June, (laughs) down towards the Cape Cod, was not the best idea on my part. So I get, you know, delayed in traffic. I'm uh, I'm coming down uh, the road, and my GPS just says, you are here. And I'm just in the middle of the woods next to a, <laughs> next to a pond. <laughs> like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> so I, like, type it in my GPS, and GPS is just like, yep, it's right here. This is where the wedding is. <laughs> so 
you know, I, I start driving around and I see there's these two kids like fishing at the pond. You know, they have like their their bike lean bikes leaning against the guardrail. So I just like I drive up to the kids uh, real slow so I don't scare them. And then I so I left my car window down in a rainstorm the other day. So the motor the motor kind of burned out. So I got the window up but I can't roll my window down anymore. So I just pull up next to these kids and I just like open the door. <laughs> kids you want some candy and i'm wearing like a full pinstripe suit because i'm on my way to the wedding well you also forgot to mention it's a fairly casual wedding the man shows up in a pinstripe suit i was not told it was casual okay jesus jerry (laughs) no one told me it was casual this isn't all your fucking banker friends light hundreds on fire to smoke their cigars anyway so i'm like like, i go like kid come here I'm like, do you know where this is? And he like, see a dead body. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I do want to see a dead body. (laughs) Well, he finally points me to where it is. It's like around on the other side of the pond. So I drive around and I get out of my car and I'm walking up. And as I'm walking up, the entire wedding procession is walking down and out. And I think, like, uh, I forget who it was. I think it was, like, like Dan Hall was just like, dude, did you miss it? <laughs> and I'm just like, no, man, I was here the whole time in the back, remember? He, he literally missed the entire thing by a minute or two. If he would have been five minutes sooner, he would have made it. Because it was not a long thing that we were outside for maybe, you know, 15 minutes or so. It was not long at all, and he manages to miss it. <laughs> uh, yep, but I just I blended in with the crowd and just like sheepishly ducked my head and made my way to the buffet. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Aaron and Kate. It was a beautiful ceremony from the pictures. <laughs> oh my god. I can't huh. really laugh. I didn't, I didn't even get a chance. I, I wasn't able to go in for you. Yeah, laughing. you were my saving grace. Uh, I got yeah. Aaron. Aaron was good and drunk, and I just put my arm around his shoulder. I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry about missing the ceremony, man. But remember, Pat's not here, so fuck <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I was feeling really, really shitty at the end of last week. And uh, Thursday, I felt like absolute garbage. And then Friday, my wife called me. She was at work. And she works in a lab, so she can do, like, you know, she did, like, a throat swab and, like, sent it off to the to the culture per- people or whatever. And uh, it, she came back positive for strep. And I'm like, what the fuck? So Saturday morning, I go to, like, urgent care right when they open. And sure enough, positive for strep. I'm like, ah, I can't. Like, you're so contagious. And, like, I felt like such crap. I'm like, I can't go. I can't go like this. You know what I mean? I was I was really, really bummed. Um, so, unfortunately, we had to miss the wedding. But, um it was a good yeah, time. Would have liked you there. I would have loved to be. I was. I've been looking forward to that wedding for like months now. Cause I'm like, oh, this is gonna be great. I'll just get to see a bunch of the locals. Like, go out, have drinks. And like, Aaron and Kate are awesome people. Jerry's gonna be there, which kind of sucks, but that's whatever. You know, we'll make. We'll we'll figure it out. And uh, but I wasn't able to make it, so it was a bummer. I mean, people were playing commander at the wedding, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even an exaggeration. People actually were. Yeah, no. At night, people were playing commander. Oh, yeah. Man. They actually did a sweet thing, so it was an overnight wedding. So after they got married, um, it was at this summer camp. And this is the most badass summer camp I have ever seen. I wish I, I went here as a kid. That, that place was insane. <laughs> it was fucking awesome. Oh, my God. So they're like, oh, just down the path is where you're staying. You're staying at the fort. And I'm like, oh, okay. It's probably going to be like a piece of plywood with a castle painted on it. 
And I turn the fucking corner, and it's like an 1800s, like, U.S. Army stockade that you would, like, see on the frontier. Like, oh, like it has sick. just, like, rows of trees that have been, like, sharpened into pointed stakes, forming, like, a two-story tall wall. And there's, like, little, like, lookout towers, and then there's, like, a main lodge area that had, like, all the these, like, bunk beds and sleeping areas. So the best part is I I come up a little bit late because I was off cleaning uh, ice cream stuff because I brought the ice cream for that. Oh, yes. So I showed up a little bit after everyone was at the bonfire, and I'm walking down. I see everyone. I'm like, oh, sweet. This place looks awesome. And I go in. I go to open the door, and all of a sudden I'm bathed in, like, bright fluorescent light. Like, what in the world is going on? I expected the place just to be, like – a big wooden statue, like just empty and, you know, like you'd expect camping. Nope. Entirely running water, all electricity. It had duck work. It, it was comfortable to be in. Like I would be there all the time for like weddings like that. The place was great. Yeah. Plus we had a massive bonfire in the center. Yeah. That was also a good time yeah, or a bad time, depending on if you count the next morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, awesome. Sounds like it was a good time. Yeah. And you weren't there, Pat. Yeah, for dude, shame. Not you abandoned us. I, I was, dude. Oh, I was so bummed. So bummed. <sighs> All right. Well, we got Vegas coming up. Uh, is that next week? No. Is it next week? It's never. <laughs> yeah. That, holy shit! It's next week. So, no, uh, the, <laughs> the next episode we record will be on the eve of uh, like Las Vegas. Really exciting. Um, no, if it's anyone. Not. If any of the listeners are going down there, uh, shoot me an email or a message on Twitter. Don't send anything to Jerry because he's not going. Um, but let me know. Going and, to uh, what? <laughs> we'll try to we'll try to meet up when we're out there. Shouldn't you be out of the denial stage yet, Jerry? <laughs> no. Like, aren't there a couple more you need to get through before it it's, starts? It's a comfortable stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, well, Zach. Before we get out of here, man, if someone wants to talk to you about your deck, or they, you know, they just want to, you know, kind of find out a little bit more about you. Uh, I know you're on Twitter. Do you want to talk about Twitter or are you on Facebook? Uh, yeah, you can hit me on Facebook if you want. You're, you can also hit me on Twitter at uh, the underscore score amazing underscore Zach, Z-A-C. No need for an H or a K. That's just <laughs> superfluous. Um, yeah, yeah, or you can just hit me up on uh, Facebook as well, Zach Turgeon. I'm, I also do the Leaving Legacy group, and I'm – Feel free to talk about this, though. That being said, I'm really only good in Legacy with this deck. It's the only thing I've really ever played. I can tell you a lot about different versions of it, but outside of that, mm, I'm kind of a B plus. <laughs> and what if they want to buy some of your delicious ice cream? Um, Wait, I don't know if yet. I don't have anything on that, but as Jerry will attest, it certainly is delicious. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Pat. Zach made all of the ice cream that was at the wedding. Oh, boy. And, th- and there were so many good ones. It was like, uh, there was like Irish breakfast, or I- I'm going to do the names of service. What-, what do we have, Zach? Uh, yeah, we had an Irish breakfast, which was a whiskey and cornflakes. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had a pina colada, a chocolate Zinfandel, a uh, wedding cake, and then a blueberry, or sorry, a yeah, blueberry lemon. Oh, wow. So everyone seemed to enjoy. Yeah, they were awesome. And you just you handmade them? Yep. Nice. So still getting the business off the ground? Uh, I'm trying, I'm trying. And still doing like small order stuff. So I'm not quite uh, ready to go full public with it, but it's uh it it's something I enjoy. 
Nice. Hell yeah, the ice cream man playing mono red. And <laughs> first he gives you an ice cream cone, then he melts it with fucking fiery creatures. <laughs> Come on, let's be real about this. My deck is not fiery in any way. It's very cold, very evil. Calculating. I, I, I have very much said that I'm the bad guy and I understand this. Like I, I want a shirt that just says villain on it and small typeface in the middle. Because I, I understand that when people show up to play, they really, really want to play the cards they put in their deck, and it's very unfortunate because they're not going to get to. <laughs> All right, well, you guys know where we can find Jerry uh, at JME3RD. I took me. away took away my right again this week. I'm I say. To just make it seem like a little more seamless. <laughs> uh, you can find me uh, at Pat Ugle on Twitter. You can find the stream. Or my stream, twitch.tv slash patuglow. Uh, you can find the Leaving a Legacy Facebook page in the show notes, uh, as well as the Patreon, uh, links to hipsters, and all that stuff. Um, so, Jerry, you got a die for us to roll tonight? We're not doing scoops? Oh, yeah, of course. Let's do some Jeez. scoops. Jeez. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Skipping. I guess so. Uh, who are we scooping in the top eight this week, Jerry? Uh, we are scooping... Oh, and I just realized we forgot to talk about Joe Lissette's Cephalid Breakfast. Next time, people. Cephalid Breakfast, awesome deck. Check it out on the Facebook group if you want to see more. I think uh, Lawrence is the one who... Oh, no. Uh, Zach. Zach Bash posted it. So, shit, scooping a Zach for throwing that up for us. Uh, definitely going to scoop in you. Other Zach. Zach Prime, if you will. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, man. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, you know, been a long time coming, but I'm just going to say it. You know, just been waiting carefully. <laughs> nice. Just in the background. Excellent. And also, scoop in Aaron and Kate for an awesome, awesome wedding. What about you, Pat? Um, I'll get a scoop in all of our Patreon supporters. I like to do that every week. Thank you guys so much for uh, for supporting the show. It means an incredible amount to us. Um, we've been able to get the playmats going. Uh, we are working on uh, getting some new recording equipment for the show as well. Uh, new stickers and all that stuff. So thank you again for all your support. Um, and who else do I want to scoop in this week? I'm going to scoop in Tom Hep, who watched me... Uh, with basically have the most egregious punt um, of my magic career. Streams down. Um, streams down. Was the, <laughs> Jesus, that was so bad. That was so bad. You're you're gonna you're gonna have to settle and buckle up for the abuse that you're gonna take on that. Oh, I'm so afraid. I don't even want to open up my Facebook app right now. Yeah, it was beeping on the side. I looked at it. <laughs> I looked at it once. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> The worst part is that like I had one in hand. Like you can make it like uh, an excuse that like the text box covers your own delta on the battlefield, but like you also have one in hand. So, oh man. They also, also said it out loud. Too. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, <laughs> had, a, had a conversation on which other fetch would be the secondary fetch to name. <laughs> so bad. So bad. Oh man. I guess I guess I gotta have one of those every you know every once in a while. Every week. So maybe, maybe we should do a poll on the leading legacy thing. <laughs> uh, which, punt, which punt was the worst? Does Pat, the, does Pat the stifle, just like... The stifle, the needle, <laughs> or the just straight up not making Marilage at the end of I the think, I think, well, we, at least we won the game where we, where we made Marilage, didn't make Marilage hey, at the hey, end. Hey, that's results already. That's thinking. true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, as a last piece of advice. Oh, sure. I think, I think there are ways to... Uh, to straight up delete the video out of your archives. You, you may want to go do that. <laughs> <laughs> the broadcast.
podcast from I'm going to leave it for posterity <laughs> my <laughs> previous broadcast list on my Twitch page. Um, but no, it was uh, it was just a it was a silly mistake. <laughs> um, and uh, I think everyone had a lot of fun with it. But uh, I don't I don't want to relive it. I don't want to do it again either. So. <laughs> Yeah, I saw, I saw the screenshot of that. That was pretty yeah, rough. It was it was pretty bad. <laughs> but we'll scoop we'll scoop Tom in for not immediately ending uh, ending the Skype call with me when I did that because we were playing <laughs> a little more. We were playing more of the bug depths, uh, his bug depths deck, uh, which I am just having a beast of a time with. I've only played it a couple times, but geez, that deck is just not. It's it's too hard for me, man. I need something a little bit easier. I need just single single CMC blue and red spells I can point at people's faces. Nice. <laughs> How about, how about you, Zach? Who are you scooping in the top eight this week? Uh, well, first, let's go with uh, you guys for having me on. That seems like, you know, probably a worthwhile scoop. Um, obviously, uh, Aaron and Kate, they got married. That was great. And uh, best of luck to them in the future. Uh, and as for magic stuff, I'm going to go with uh, the two stores I play Legacy at most. Uh, scoop in gaming, etc. We're head down on Tuesdays, sometimes Fridays. They always have a great crowd. Uh, and Next Gen and Pelham on Mondays, they have um, uh, unlimited proxies. So if you want to try something out, it's good there. You know, it's an unsanctioned unlimited proxies thing. Let's a lot of people try out Legacy for the first time. And I've had some people who tried it out for the first time there, you know, start picking up decks and stuff. So it does end up working. And as for individual people, I'll go with my buddies Joe and Adam. Uh, I play Legacy and Magic with them all the time. And it's always good to have people to bounce ideas off of. Nice. All right. Awesome. All right, Jerry, you got a uh, you got a die for real this time. I do for real. Uh, oh, here we go. Tech box. Twenty. We got seven. Seven. Um, therapy. Diane Christopher <laughs> Johnson. What? It's a question mark here. Any therapy will do. What is he talking about? I have no idea. Do we do we know Wait, what this me, is? Let me Google it. What is it? He's just wrote therapy Diane. Any therapy will do. I'm assuming therapy is the name of the group. Therapy Diane. Uh yep. <laughs> I guess therapy question mark is the group. Oh gee. This looks pretty soft. <laughs> let's let's check it out. Ah, oh, fucking ads. I don't want a freaking Honda Camry or Toyota Camry. A Honda Camry. <laughs> a Honda Camry. Let's go places. Oh boy. Uh, starts with a quote just below the surface. Fade to black. This guy's gonna sing like Tom Selleck mustache. <laughs> Cello opening, sad and sweet. Okay. Crime scene tape with a pair of scissors. Artsy people. This looks very artsy. Nothing's happened yet except for <laughs> this. This is a long vamp. Oh, jeez. This is soft. <laughs> very soft. I don't know if it knows it's being ridiculous. Like, I can't tell if it's being ironic or if it's actually this bad. Yeah, you don't know if it's in on the joke or not. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Like, it's definitely a joke. I don't know. The the question mark in the band name, that leads me to believe they don't know. (laughs) Is Is the room filling with water? 
It looks like this guy is fucking this banister. <laughs> okay. All right. So I guess that's what we're listening to this week. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Come on, guys. Don't give us the shit. <laughs> Watch this is like watch this is like legitimately his favorite song. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it can't be because it's you got like a little winky face in there. Oh, I just got to the part where he's fucking a banister. Yeah, okay, see. <laughs> oh I, man, I was really hoping we were gonna get the uh, show's old theme on when I was here just to <laughs> just to get Aaron one last time. Oh, for the Robins. oh, that's who I also forgot to scoop in. I got to meet Johnny, the developer of our intro music in person. Oh, nice. And yeah, by developer, awesome I mean composer. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah awesome dude. Uh, uh, gave us our new intro music and some sweet uh, segue music when uh, Jerry gets a little too off topic. We got to steer him back. We have segue music? Yeah, just one, just one little one. Has, have we used it yet? Yeah, it was the it was the song about you and me. You remember that one? No, no, oh. I don't. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll play that instead of Diane. <laughs> no, we gotta we gotta honor the list, Pat. Somehow. <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe I'll play that instead of Diane. <laughs> no, our listeners deserve the truth. <laughs> maybe I'll play that instead of Diane. All right, have a good night, everybody. <laughs> play us out with some sweet Diane. <laughs> hey, little girl, wanna go for a ride? Nice neat little pile